Well, good morning. Just a couple of minutes of what we call family time. A couple things just to bring you up to speed on. Uh, this afternoon, four o'clock, a congregational meeting. That's just exciting, isn't it? I know you just want to be here. Uh, the snowstorm snowed it out, and so we get another chance to do that again. So uh, if you'd like to be here, we'd love to have you here. You'll hear some things and some reports that you don't get to hear at other times. We just encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, we are a congregational church, and so we only do this three times a year, and uh, we, we find it an important aspect of, uh, of our participating together as a body of believers. So 4 o'clock this afternoon. Thanksgiving, week from Thursday. Can you believe it? And uh, we'll be having a Thanksgiving Eve service. That would be the evening before Thanksgiving for uh, some of our overachievers. Um, That would be Wednesday evening uh, at 7.30. We're having communion and opportunity to share. So we ask you to be thinking about that before you come. Maybe there's something on your heart that you would like to share in Thanksgiving to our God. And then uh, Heart to Heart, ladies, this is for you. Two announcements. Uh, Heart to Heart is sponsoring a gathering of women to crochet and knit together this Wednesday, the 16th at 7.30. Uh, gentlemen, sorry, you're out of that one. They'll be meeting in the youth room upstairs on the third floor. All skill levels are welcome. And um, if you don't know how to do this, there are people that are available to teach you this. You just need to RSVP with Donna Williams or speak to the office about that. And then also, Heart to Heart is sponsoring a ministry forum for women directly after church next Sunday, the 20th. Come and join us in the foyer to learn more about opportunities for ministry within Bethlehem Church. So I just wanted to share those things with you. And now I'd like us to uh, bow our heads in prayer as we open God's Word and ask Him to speak with us this morning about what He has shared with me. Heavenly Father... We hang beautiful gold crosses around our necks. I pray that you would help us to see beyond the gold to the beauty of the way of the cross. The way that you took in your Son, Jesus Christ, and the way you want us to take every single day. Open our eyes to this, I pray, in a deeper new, more meaningful way as we open your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as we just sang, it is our theme verse to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God, and we're giving the fall to this concept of acting justly. What does it mean to do the right thing? And the answer to that, I believe, starts with the example of Jesus Christ. And I've been showing you that example Uh, through these symbols of service that he's given us. The yoke, the cup, the towel, the cross. Next week, the coin. Next week. That's going to transition us into the Advent conspiracy that you see signs all over the church about, and that's all I'm telling you. You've got to come back next week to find out more about it. The yoke taught us partnership, that we are to work with him because we're not alone. And so we need to get close to him. There's a place for us there. We've got to get over ourselves and get back to where we belong. Then we talked about the cup, and that taught us self-denial, that we're to drink with him, uh, that this is not easy because we belong to another. We're supposed to behave like another, following his example. We're supposed to believe in that other, and then he will bless us, that, 
that one as well as we would do that. Last week we talked about the towel that taught us humility. We serve with him. It's not about you. And the, the towel is a great symbol because of what it promises. Not a bath towel, but more like an apron or a, a side towel or bar mop like I had on last week. Uh, this is the serving of another because you're in relationship with that person. The difference between self-denial and humility is another person. You see, humility is all about how we relate to others in our service. And so we learn from Jesus and Peter to do more, to serve completely, to know better, to study who we are, and to watch how that would develop in us deference and obedience and dependence. Now this week, I'd like to turn to another symbol, the cross. This is about habit. You walk with him because it's not over yet. And do you see the progression in these symbols? In the partnership you journey with him, in, in, in the self-denial you just say no to yourself, in humility you join with others, in the habit of the cross you just keep going. And there's a progression in perspective. First of all, it's about getting aligned with him and the oak, getting near him. And then it's about you and your commitment to him and your resigning yourself to him. And then, and then others come in and then you get to just keep doing it. The cross. And this is really a theme all throughout scripture. The cross is certainly a symbol of this. But we find it everywhere. Um, I like Eugene Peterson, particularly in his earlier writings, and uh, he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Isn't that an interesting title? A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And what it's about is the Ascent Psalms, uh, Psalms 120 through 134. They're psalms that, that the Jewish people, when they went up for the festivals three, four times a year, would sing as they went along. That's why they're called the Ascent Psalms. They would climb up to Jerusalem and they would sing these songs. And much of the theme of this is about this continued obedience, continuing to follow. Well, the reason I mention this is because it's interesting where he got the title. He got the title from a quote by Frederick Nietzsche. Now, if I'm right, Rick, I'm quoting Nietzsche. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, he, yeah this is our, you know, our, our resident philosopher. Nietzsche is famous for saying, God is dead. Listen to Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche, who saw this area of spiritual truth at least at least, this area at least, with great clarity wrote, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. And Peterson goes on to say, it is this long obedience in the same direction which the mood of the world does so much to discourage. He later goes on to say, if Nietzsche knew I was using his quote to talk about this, he'd roll over in his grave. But this is a theme in Scripture. And he even got it. You know, there's that one thing that if you continue to do it, and it's that valuable, 
at the end you realize life is really worth living. This thought, this concept of continuing, I think must have been what caused Jesus to introduce this symbol of the cross. Turn to, uh, to Luke chapter 14 with me. And I'd like to read Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Luke 14, 25. Gospel writer Luke records, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask him for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is fit neither for the soil, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it is thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, beginning of the passage again, large crowds are traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said... I hate it when people do that. You're, you're walking with them, and, and, and then you go, and all of a sudden they just stop and turn around, and you bump right into them, you know. Um, it was a, there was a kid in my last church. Um, he got so famous for this, they used to call it a Garrett. Um, Garrett, when he would walk with you, always faded over towards whatever lane you were walking in. He was always right in your way, you know. And the kids used to give him, Garrett, you're pulling a Garrett again. Will you stop? Or if somebody else ever did it, you know. That's it. You, here we are just going along. We're following you, Lord. And it, what now? And he stops them in their tracks. And he says, I don't want numbers. I want followers. Notice the passage says that there were those that were coming after him. Let me make two categories here. The come-afterers and the true followers. To get this across in a picture, in a symbol, he introduces this powerful image that would not be forgotten. This way of the cross. As a matter of fact, it's why I've chosen this picture that's up there right now. found this art, artist's rendition of, of what it means to... To go the way of the cross. Do you see the person trying to get through? Do you see what it requires in terms of, of intention, of difficulty? This artist is saying, you know, to do this is not easy. It's going to mean change and distortion. And If you're going to follow, if you're going to form any kind of habit of truly following, let me offer a few things that I think are necessary. First of all, in the way of the cross, you put this down. 
hate to be so negative, but (laughs) that's the way Jesus began the discussion as he stopped those people short and said, first of all, put this down. Your life, your hands, your time is so full, isn't it? You are not creating any kind of lasting habit unless you begin to put some things down. What might we have in our hands that we should be putting down? Let's look at what Jesus attaches to cannot be my disciple. He says it three times in this passage. So maybe these are the things directly tied to that phrase that might tell us something. Verse 26, if you do not hate his father, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, in case you haven't ever heard, probably many of you have, this term hate Um, is a relative term, not an absolute term. It's used in the sense of a comparison. There is no comparison when you compare this to one's devotion to Christ. Obviously, he's not saying you're supposed to hate your father and your mother. He told us to obey our parents. You're not supposed to hate your wife. He told you to love your wife. You're not supposed to hate your husband. You're supposed to love your husband. Uh, he even instructs us uh, to love our neighbors as we do ourselves. You're not even supposed to hate yourself in an absolute sense. But when you compare that affection and that devotion to that of Christ, there is no comparison. And in fact, we do it all the time. Do you love pizza? I love pizza. Uh, you love a hobby. You love a friend. But that doesn't take any position if you compare it to the love of my wife for me, not my love for her. It would be better comparison. Hers for me. Uh, no, I, I love her too. Compare pizza to that. It just does. Now we do the same thing all the time. There is no comparison, and that's what he's talking about here. The problem is our natural entropy is to decline into this kind of relational rivalry. Our natural entropy is to decline into this relational rivalry. God's invisible. He seems a little distant. He isn't answering my prayers. So, you know what? The ones that are closer to me, that I can see and I can touch and I, and I can be with and, and can answer me, seem to be those that I love a little more right now. I mean, I don't hate God or anything. It's just that He's so there. It shouldn't happen. That's the entropy we just naturally fall into. You can do it, but you can't do that and call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, is what Jesus said. No rivals. If there's any opportunity for comparison, there is no comparison. No rights. says that in verse uh, 27. Anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. His own life, whatever he wants, who I am is you, is yours, Lord. His own cross, wherever he wants, where I go is up to you. 
After all, carrying a cross is a one-way ticket, right? There's no round trip here. Jesus never carried his cross back down from Golgotha. One way. No rights. You tell me to do it, I'll do it. No reservations. Third time, verse uh, 33. In the same way, if any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. What would you have in your hands? When Peter, James, and John left the boat and started following Jesus, did they tuck their nets in their back pockets, kind of bring them along? It says they dropped their nets and they followed him. Now they went back to him later, didn't they? When things got bad, Pete goes, I'm fishing. I'm going fishing. Yeah, me too. Me too. And then the Lord had to come there and say, listen, haven't I got more for you than this? Don't you want to follow me now? And they dropped their nets again. What do you got in your hands? What are your proverbial nets that you're hanging on to? You see, the first part of the way of the cross is to put some things down. I can't know what they are. Only you can. I can know what mine are. What do you have in your hands? You know, we really say we want to be followers of Jesus Christ, but we've filled our lives, our time, our hands with a lot. And some of those things have got to go. So put that down. But then it continues. The way of the cross asks you to pick this up. I'd like to go to the other time in Luke that he uses this, and that's chapter 9. So turn over to chapter 9, and here uh, he mentions it as well in verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Uh, now you see why I went to this passage. Uh, he added a little word into this one. You see, you've got to pick this up. Here the cross is, is um, expressed proactively. It's what you do. It's still conditional, however, if anyone would come after me, says the NASB. You, you have to pick this up. And what does that look like? It looks like? It looks like a place. There are no tandem crosses. My wife and I, pre-children, had a wonderful opportunity before we went to Italy with a couple of other couples to go on a bike trip. Uh, we decided to cross the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So we began just inside of, uh, just, just on, on the edge of, uh, of Wisconsin, rode over into Michigan and crossed all the way over to Mackinac Island. It took us three days, uh, three and a half. It was a wonderful time. My wife didn't ride a lot of bike. Um, wasn't really, it was interested in the trip, but hadn't done a lot of riding. So I figured, you know what, this is going to be tough. So I found a guy who had a tandem and we adjusted a little bit so it fit us and we showed up with a tandem. The other two couples were laughing at us. They thought, you know, you got to be kidding and, uh, and it's going to be, you know, yeah, it didn't take long till they were jealous. I got back rubs, you know, we got to talk, you know. If she didn't want to pedal, 
she didn't have to pedal. We had the best time. It was great. And I was riding a lot, and I, I told her, because she, she was worried about it, I said, listen, if you don't pedal a, a single time, it won't matter. I can do this. We're just, this is just going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. And sure enough, we just had the best time. Do you know what Jesus would have to say if he were to look at you and say, I want you to carry this cross across the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? He would have looked at my wife and said, pedal your own bike. There are no tandem crosses. There's only one place for one person. Even Jesus, right? When he couldn't carry it, it was given to another man. He didn't join him with it. He gave it over to him. One place. There's a pattern here too. Verse 23. Daily. If he doesn't pick up his cross daily, a consistent behavior that's perpetuated day in and day out. Life is so annoying that way, isn't it? Yes. Every day, you know, and then you get good day, and then the next day, oh, bad day. And then the next day, what's this one going to be like? He intends for it to be that way, and nothing of true value is accomplished in a day, is it? One incredible performance is built on countless days of discipline, right? You know, Scott Millard's going to run the... Um, and Scott's the guy that was up here, in case you know, he was up here, the guy up here a little bit uh, ago reporting on all that was happening uh, with our Harvest Home thing. He's going to run the Philadelphia Maria, uh, Marathon next week, you know, like he does every year for Connor's house. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you like to be Scott, you know, and be able to finish that race and everything else? Would you like to be Scott? Who for years now, actually, is up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and has run hundreds, if not thousands of miles. I know this. We went to Atlanta together uh, for a conference a few weeks ago. Um, I thought it was noble because I was up at a little after 5 and I went downstairs and I worked out in... Uh, in the exercise room. He had beaten me by more than an hour because he was driving to a local Y because he had to do swimming besides. Yeah, I won the race. You willing to pay the price? You see, that's what the daily thing is. It happens every single day. I remember years ago, Lee Trevino hitting a, uh, a hole-in-one. Remember Lee Trevino? He's an old golfer now, but... He hit, and the I, and reason I remember it is because a, uh, a reporter said to him, Hey, lucky shot? His answer was, I've been practicing a lifetime for that one shot. Right? You see, there's this pattern that has to be developed. Oh, I didn't do it. You can do it, and you need to do it more and more day in, day out. And there's a path, too, as well. There's this place. It's just this one place for you. There's a pattern that you're to follow every single day. And then there's a path. Follow me. A single path. Now, I'm going to expand on the way of the cross in just a second. But where I want you to see now is 
what he had in mind when he says, follow me. He has in mind the finish line. In chapter 9, he finishes by talking about the kingdom in that day when I don't want to be ashamed of you because you were ashamed of me. I want to be proud of you because you were proud of me. I want you to finish well. And then Luke 14, we had just read, a man doesn't build a tower if he hasn't figured out how much money he's got to, to, whether he can finish it or not. Or you don't go to war unless you've got what it takes to win. I want you to finish well stewarding of all that you have to reach the end, the daily now, so that you can finish then. And you see what's interesting about this is, Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that He didn't do. What did He put down? Who being in very nature God, Philippians 2, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He put it down. Being made a servant and being found in human likeness, He became just like us. He put down. And we underestimate how much that meant for Him, even though He never denied His deity, but set certain attributes aside, how much He had to depend upon the Holy Spirit to finish that race well. You see, He put things down. So can you. He put down his glory. Weren't bad things. He deserved those things. The things you have in your hand may not be bad things. But some of them have got to go. And then pick up. He did that too. He took his place. He took that cross. He lived that pattern day after day. And he finished well. So pick this up. And finally, in the way of the cross, you go this way. And you know what? I'd like to start a movement. I I know it won't work, but I think we ought to change our name. Uh, Do you know where Christians came from? It came from the unbelievers in Antioch who called the people who followed Jesus Christ that. That was the first place they were called Christians. It wasn't a name they gave themselves. It was actually a pejorative name, little Christians, little Christ ones, that was given by those that were looking at them from the outside. What did they call themselves? Followers of the way. And all of these references, actually, they're in your uh, bulletin there. List that. In 9, chapter 2, Paul speaks of uh, those he was persecuting who belonged to the way. In chapter 9, uh, chapter 19, verse 9 in Ephesus, uh, there's a riot going on and they publicly maligned the way. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is giving one of his testimonies and he says, I persecuted followers of the way. Paul himself says in chapter 24, 14, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way that they have called a sect. In Acts chapter 24, verse 22, Felix, it says, was well acquainted with the way. Is it any wonder? John the Baptist came to prepare the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We got it all wrong, maybe. I don't know. I I guess we'll never, you know, I'll never convince everybody to change our names. But we should be called the followers of the way. And in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus himself said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road, or the way 
that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. Warren Wiersbe, many times you see this uh, depicted in a, in a path that goes one way, and then a path that goes to the other, and there's a fork in the road, and you've got to pick. Did you see my little fish show up there a little bit ago? Warren Wiersbe says, maybe the best way for us to picture this concept is actually going back against the grain. Now I'm walking, and there's repentance, right? I'm not walking this way anymore. I'm going to turn from that, and I'm going to go this way. And, and you're going to fight the bumping and the bruising and the banging against everything that wants to go that way. Go this way, His way, following His example. See, the cross is about habit. It's not over. And there's a progression in the thought here. First of all, I need to recognize this yoke thing. We've got to get close to Him. We're journeying with Him. And then we've got to just say no to ourselves and, and recognizing the self-denial that we see in the cup. And then in humility, bring others into the picture and serve the way He wants us to in relationship to other people. And then create the habit. The cross is about keeping going consistency, continuance, a long obedience in the same direction. He doesn't want numbers. He wants followers. Servants who continue. And to get this across, he brings in this powerful image that would have meant so much more to them than it does because we've made it a beautiful little decoration we hang around our neck. And there's nothing wrong with that, but let it have the significance, not of a piece of jewelry, but a way that shows you're going. A way that sometimes is torturous and difficult, but you're willing to do it. And to get through that space, you're going to have to put some things down. So check your hands. Got any rivals? Got any relational entropy that has created a rivalry? Anybody in your life more important than Jesus Christ? Better not be. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love anybody else. It's a comparative thing. But if you have to make the comparison, there is no comparison. Right? Any things you're hanging on to? Any reservations? Got any nets stuck in your back pocket? And if this doesn't work out, I can pull that out and do it? Or are you sold out? Put those things down and then pick up. Make your choices. You have to respond in singular choices. It's your cross. Nobody gets to carry it for you. There are no tandem crosses. This is your place. What does he want you to do? Daily. Anybody can do it for a day. I'll eat anything. Once. Right? <laughs> can you do that all the time? And then a path that is His way. You have to repeat the choice to make sure that when you get to the end, you've finished well. And then go this way. Enter the way of the cross. And really, this is countercultural. We might call it cross-cultural. Isn't that cute? 
You know, I actually mentioned that because um, years ago in Italy, uh, there was a, it was called, a, it's called BUILD. It was a, it's an acronym for a particular leadership development program. It was used in the United States. Somebody brought it over there. And uh, I ended up using it in Italian because uh, uh, some professors of Bible school had really worked the thing well for the culture. And, and I was using it. And I got to this uh, certain point in the, in the program later on, getting into the, some of the higher concepts of this whole thing. And they were trying to, they translated the word cross-cultural. And they, tra- they translated it wrong. Now, you've got to understand, bear with me for a second. You know, I'm a wannabe missiologist or whatever. That's what my you know, degree was in. So, my, my grad degree. So, so cross-cultural means to, to take a concept and move it into another setting. To effectively translate an idea into another culture cross-cultural, as in to move it across so that its its essence is still there and the true meaning is not lost, though it may look different, though of course it's going to be in a different language and so on and so forth, right? That's what it means to be cross-culturally communicating or cross-culturally relevant. And we need to be doing that even with our own societies. We find ourselves with conflicting cultures that we live in, uh, and that's a whole other story. But it was interesting the way the Italians that were translating this, and I don't know how these... American missionaries, you know, missed this one. But they didn't translate it as in, take this concept and translate it into this setting. They said, we should be communicating and effectively living and manifesting a culture of the cross. I was like, wow, they really missed it. But it's not a bad idea, is it? What if we were cross-cultural? What if we created an atmosphere and a set of norms and a pattern of behaviors that everybody agreed with? That's what a culture is. You live in this set of, of, of norms and rules and guidelines that everyone understands and they practice them. And that's when you make cultural blunders, when you do something you're not supposed to. What if we built a culture of the cross that looked like this? That the pattern was to put things down that rivaled our relationship with God or hung on to rights that we don't really aren't supposed to have or, or were holding us back in some form of reservation? What if I meant picking up and making choices every day that are disciplined and sincere and meaningful and consistent? And we went this way. We developed a culture of the cross that went against the grain of what our society says we're supposed to do. Come back next week. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. We don't want to just make a difference, do we? We want to be different and continue to be different. Choose to be a part of those who will. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, giving us every example necessary for us to be able to do this. that he so willingly put down what was rightfully his. 
Help us to examine what's in our hands and in our hearts and in our, our minds and our lives and our time. Good, bad, indifferent, that are in the way. Help us to put them down. Help us to pick up what you've called us to carry. Each one in his own place of service that you've called him to, you've called her to, you've called each one of us, Lord, to truly be different and to go against the grain in every place you've put us. Help us to pick that up and finish to go this way, to get to the end as faithful servants of yours. Lord, we choose to be a part of those who will. Give us the grace and we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.